Jesus, I love you. Lord, we do thank you so much for your goodness. And your holiness is something that you're completely other than. <laughs> completely different. We as humanity are less than holy. And yet you have declared us holy who are in Christ Jesus. Throughout the Old Testament law, the holy would become desecrated when touched by the unclean. And yet, God, you are so holy. Lord Jesus, when you touched us, the unclean, it didn't make you unholy. It made us holy. You're utterly holy. Every facet. Thank you for your overwhelming holiness. Thank you, God, for your goodness and your love towards us. Help us, Lord, to have that heart that we just sang it. We just want to be with you. Just want to be in your presence. Teach us how to be still and know that you are God. Thank you, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue. We're going to actually conclude the sermon series that I've been preaching on today. Luke chapter 4. We've been preaching on it now. This is the fifth week. Because uh, as we got away f for a vision from the Lord this year, he had given me this passage. I'd, I'd heard from him previously, but he like highlighted it this year. That this is the work of the ministry that Sand Springs be a part of. And it's the five things that are involved in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. We're going to wrap it up today. By the way, next Sunday, I'm going to start preaching on the things you need to know about Jesus. And, uh, boy, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, that's, he's my favorite subject. <laughs> Amen. The things you need to know about Jesus. Because, you know, not everybody knows everything about Jesus. We kind of have some some uh, mentalities about him. Let's, let's get down to the, to the truth of God's word next Sunday. Today we finish up Luke 4, 18. And I'm going to go over this verse of scripture again. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and, it set, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So, as we look at these five things, number one, he says, I want people to get saved. I want them to be whole. I want them to be delivered. This last uh, phrase in the, in the last of verse 18, they were, uh, the translators split off the verse 19 from 18. It's one statement, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What is going on there is that's terminology that, that a Hebrew would know. And it is referring to the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee would happen in the nation of Israel every 50th year. And every 50th year, um, if you had sold your property, if you had even sold yourself into slavery, every 50th year, the year of Jubilee, everything would be restored back to original ownership. Amen? How many of us would love for that to have all debts canceled today? Just boop. I mean, 
just restored. And so we just get out and declare, it's a year of Jubilee, you don't have to pay back anything anymore. It's all restored. Well, that's what happened every 50th year with the nation of Israel. And here Jesus is proclaiming as he's reading the prophet Isaiah that as he comes, he brings Jubilee. Amen? And so we're going to find out today what it is that is being restored through Jesus Christ. Now I want to look at the verse of Scripture, Leviticus 25.10. It refers, now there's a whole lot of verses on the year of Jubilee and all that happens uh, when this year would happen every 50th year. We're going to look at one verse because it really sums it up real good. Leviticus 25.10. And you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty. Amen? Liberty. That's what Christ wants you to be living in is liberty. And you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. And each of you shall return to his possession. And each of you shall return to his family. So what would happen uh, in in some situations, maybe uh, someone would fall on hard times or difficult circumstances and they may have to sell their property off. Well, God had allotted this property It was his property for his people, and he didn't want it given away to anybody else. And so it would stay within the tribes, the 12 tribes, actually 11. The Levites didn't have property. Uh, They were God's property. And so uh, he didn't want it to to transfer to other tribes. He didn't want to transfer to other families. But sometimes people fall on hard times and sell their land. And then if it was still, they were still going through difficulty, they'd sell themselves sell themselves into slavery. But when you sold property, you didn't sell it uh, in perpetuity. What you sold was a number of years until the next Jubilee. And so let's say we had a year year of Jubilee coming up in 15 years. You only sold 15 years worth of harvest. That's what you you did. And so uh, we actually don't have record anywhere in the Bible that they actually fulfilled that. Isn't that wild? We don't, we don't see where they, they had a year of jubilee. But Jesus says, I'm coming to bring the real jubilee amongst God's people and that there will be restoration. Amen. Why? Because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God don't want his stuff stole. <laughs> and he don't want his people killed or destroyed. And God said, and here's, here's the essence of what Jesus Christ came to do. We call, I call that Luke 4 passage the Isaiah mandate. The Isaiah mandate and the Great Commission go hand in hand. This is the work of the ministry mentioned in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. It is the heart of God. It is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light, pushing back the dominion of darkness and taking back what Satan stole. Satan hates humanity and loves to hurt humanity. He does this to express dominance. It's an attempt to reign over earth and to try and steal what is God's. We are in the business of helping humanity because God so loves the world. We are co-missioned to spread Christ's kingdom and to heal hurts. Amen. So, as we look at what Jesus is saying in Luke 4, 18 and 19, that he is proclaiming a year of jubilee, well, it's not just a year. It is an acceptable time in which God's people are restored. And and the things that we lost when he redeemed us, he restores those things. So, let's go through the five again. He said, I've come to preach the good news to the poor. It means spiritually poor, humble. Those who are humble have the ability to turn to God and receive salvation. And so there's an order. 
First, to be saved. Number two, to have your soul wounds healed, to be whole, your mind, your emotions, and your will. He didn't just come to get you into heaven. He also wants to, to have those wounds healed and to be whole. Number three, to have deliverance. In other words, sometimes we come into cooperation, cooperation with the demonic when we come into agreement with them. We become under the influence. And he says, we need to revoke the rights of the demonic because you don't longer belong to them. You belong to Christ Jesus. And so if you've got hurts, habits, and hangups that you have not yet been able to get victory over, you hadn't got the liberty yet, he says, you're going to get it in Christ Jesus. Amen? And then fourth is to be healed physically. That to have your physical body healed. God still does that, by the way. If you don't believe me, just hang around. You'll, you'll see it here. He still heals in that He didn't just come to save your spirit and your soul, but your body as well. In fact, the word saved, the Greek word sozo, does not just mean spirit, but it means every facet of your being. And he says every facet of your being, including the final one, your resources and your relationships. Why is it in this order? Well, because if He just came and restored my resources and my relationships, and He has not yet redeemed my spirit, I will waste again my resources and my relationships. I'll blow it again. Because I, 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 haven't, I haven't had a transformation. I have not yet been born again. And so, first, saved, whole, delivered, healed, restored. That's the order. And so, as we see today that this jubilee that He's speaking of refers to relationships and resources. I'm going to read it again, Leviticus 25.10, And you shall consecrate a fiftieth year, and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his possession, and each of you shall return to his family. Some of you probably have some amazing testimonies of what you lost before Christ. Some of you have even more amazing testimonies of what you've gained since Christ. And some of you, God is building those testimonies. Amen? The, the, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, but I have come that they may have life, and not just to have life, but have it more abundantly. Life to the fullest. I want to live life to the fullest. Amen? I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, even when it comes to this body, I'm going to use it up. I'm going to wear it out. I'm going to drive it like a rental car. <laughs> I'm going I'm to power slide into glory and say, whoa, what a ride. Man. <laughs> I, I, I'm not just going to take it easy. I got a good God that's going to give me a whole new one. I, I have aches and pains now. And Mama said it'd be, like, there'd be days like this. <laughs> rodeoing in high school and come home with something broke or tore. Mama said, you're going to feel that when you get old. Well, Mama, I'm old. <laughs> I feel it. But that's all right. I'm still plan on living life to the fullest. To the fullest. Well, there's a way to do that, and it's not the world's way, it's the Lord's way. The world says, when someone does you dirty, you do them worse. You turn your back on them. You just, you just do them wrong. I mean, you, get, you, 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 you do them worse than they did you. Or do them first before they do you. But Jesus says, that we are to forgive one another. That we are to restore relationships. He said, we, we are in the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. Relationships are huge in the eyes of God. My friend who is preaching across town right now, 
uh, Apostle Alan Coleman, he said, there are going to be some folk get to heaven and just wish God was judging on smoking and drinking. <laughs> but relationships are huge in the eyes of God. If you don't believe, just read the text. Over and over and over, he's talking about restoring relationships. And this is what, and Jesus didn't just teach it. He showed it from the cross. Father, forgive them. The very ones who were crucifying, the very ones who beat him and whipped him and pulled his beard out. I, I pull one nose hair and cry. <laughs> pulled it, I mean, just brutalized him. And there he is hanging like, like meat on the cross. And, and the very ones that were spitting on him and cursing at him. And he said, Father, forgive them. <laughs> this life of the redeemed is something beyond what you and I can live. I can't do it. I can't do it. Not in my flesh. But in his spirit, all things are possible. Amen. Amen. I want to I want to look at a passage of scripture that I think so shows the, this re, this uh, year of jubilee. We uh, we know it as the parable of the prodigal son. I think it's better referred to as the parable of the loving father. But it's such a picture of jubilee. Luke chapter fifteen. In Luke fifteen, we're going to see. We know this story. Most of us most of us do. And I'm just going to read the whole story and uh, just kind of point out some highlights. Then Jesus said, then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Now let me explain. The inheritance that they would have gotten, they said, we don't want to wait for you to die. We want it now. The younger son said that. The, the father says, okay, I'll just go ahead and split it all up now. I've known people to do that. Uh, they, they were getting up in age and they said, I'll just go ahead, go ahead and divide the inheritance now and gave the property and gave all over. And, and they were just living on the property that now their sons had. The father says, I'll go ahead and divide it all up now. And the way this worked was the older son got the double portion, which means if there's two sons, all everything is divided up into three now. It's divided up three ways, and the older son gets two parts, and the younger son gets one part. So the younger son takes his part of his inheritance. In verse 13, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Why? He already wasted everything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. You would look at this and say, This man is now humble. He is now poor in spirit. Here's one who is, who is humble in his heart and has turned to his father and said, just, just hire me. I'll be one of your workers. Verse 20, and he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. You know why his father saw him when he was a great way off? Because his father was looking for him. 
Probably been at, at daylight, he'd probably sit out on that porch looking for him. And at dark, he'd go in praying for him. And, and so his father was looking for him when he was a great way off. His father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. This old stanky boy. Been wallowing around in a pig pen. Ain't nothing stank worse than a pig. I remember showing pigs at the Henderson County Livestock Show. Mine never made sales. <laughs> But it stinks so horribly. And, and, and yet this guy, he wanted to eat what they ate. He was nasty. His father didn't say, now you go on in the house and get cleaned up, and I, then I'll hug your neck. You, you, you've earned this trouble that you're in. You need to go fix yourself up. And then I, There was no probation period. There was no let's wait and see. The father ran to his son, fell on his neck, hugged him, loved him. Oh, man, what a picture. What is Jesus telling us? The heart of the Father. Not the ways of the sons. He's telling us the heart of the Father. So, the verse 21, And the Son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the Father said to the servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they begin to be merry. Amen. Amen. Unless that wasn't his stuff he was given. You remember how this happened? Father, give me the possessions. I want my inheritance. He split two parts this way, one part that way. And so when he says, bring the fatted calf, whose fatted calf was it? Whose robe was it? Whose ring was it? The older son. Now, verse 25, now this older son, his older son was in the field and he came and drew near to the house and he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother's come and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. He was angry, would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. See the father's heart? So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I want you to notice the heart of the older brother. These many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment. Wow, you must be Jesus because uh, I think everybody's sinned. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat. You see what, he say, what he's saying? He does not even understand all that he has. You've never given me a young goat, and now you killed the fatted calf for that sorry rascal that went out and spent all your inheritance. He said to him, son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. Literally, he was telling the truth. He already divided his inheritance. He, and the, the, the older brother says, you've not given me a young goat. He said, I've given you everything. I've given you everything. He said, I'm just, I'm just a servant. I, here I am serving you. He said, no, you're not just a servant. You're my son. Do you see the words? Verse 29, he said, I've been serving you. You've not given me anything. Verse 31, you are my son and I've given you everything. Some of us have an orphan mentality in which you just think that God tolerates you. You think that you're just barely accepted. Oh, you, just, you just barely made it in. I had a, a friend of mine who was an addict, lived addicted for years. 
he was so excited to, 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 to be redeemed. And uh, we were talking about mansions and glory. He said, I'll sleep, under, I'll sleep under a park bench if I could just get there. <laughs> well, you don't have to sleep under a park bench. He's given you everything. Amen. He said, son, you're always with me. And I've given all that I have is yours. Verse 32, it was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. I don't know if you could see yourself in this story, but I've seen myself as the younger brother and the older brother. I had a situation here a few years back. It was the lowest, lowest spiritually I've ever been. I was ready to walk away from everything. I was ready to walk away from the ministry, maybe even my faith, possibly even the family. And here was the mentality. I had the mentality of the older brother. I'm like, Lord, I've served you all of these years and you haven't given me anything. You, you can't even do this for me, God? I, I, was, I was spewing out of the mouth. And, and by the way, this was only like a few years ago. And, 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 and Christy thinks God's finna kill me, strike me dead. And, 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 and yet he just patiently let me vent. Because oftentimes you don't know what's in your heart until it spews out of your mouth. And as the pressure uh, rose on me, and, and I was just feeling like I was uh, the orphan child, the neglected child, I started just vomiting up before the Lord, just all of my feelings. And then I was like, oh, I didn't even know that was in there. But man, was I not the older brother. I felt like I earned better. And God's like, I've given you everything. You don't even understand what you do have. Here we are as the, the children of God, and we're either in one or the other, but the whole point of it is to see the heart of the Father. Do you see the heart of the Father? And, and do we take on this mentality of, uh, he hadn't given me anything, when he actually he says, no, I've given you everything. You, you don't even understand what you do have in Christ Jesus. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, he says, I pray that God would enlighten you that you might know all that you got. You might know your inheritance. It's bigger than you can ever dream of. Do you know the spiritual treasure that is yours? So here's what happens. Here's the mentality of the younger brother, older brother, I'm sorry. He has a scarcity mentality. Remember the year of Jubilee, you restore the relationships and the resources. The relationship should have been restored. It was restored for the younger brother, but the older brother didn't want nothing. He didn't even call him his brother. He said, this son of yours. He didn't say this brother of mine. The son of yours. The, so which one was actually living in darkness? The prodigal, though stanky and dirty, was actually walking in the light because he repented. The older brother, who, man, he looked nice. He looked like he was cleaned up for church. He was doing his due diligence and serving, and, and man, he was the good boy. At least he thought so. He was in darkness. He was in darkness. How do we know? Here's how you know when you're living in darkness. When God's love and peace and joy are absent, you're in darkness. When those three things are absent, you are living in darkness. His love, his peace, his joy was absent, and this dude is twisted off. He didn't want any kind of relationship with us. Why? He's taking my stuff. See the attitude? That was my calf. 
That was my robe. That was my ring. Here is what God is wanting to restore to you, child of God, and wants you to get and understand. And I pray that he enlightens you with this truth. There is no scarcity in the kingdom of God. So the scarcity mentality is all that I have is all that there is. So if I give, I lose. In the kingdom of God, that is a broken, that is the wrong, the absolute opposite of the mentality we should have. In the kingdom of God, giving is gaining. And that all that there is, is all that I have. See, all that I have is all that there is, so I must hold on to what I have, because if I give it, I lose it. And God says, no, I have everything that I have, you have. And the more that you give, the more you get. It's called the upside-down kingdom. Everything's backwards from the world's mentality. It's completely opposite. And so when it comes to the year of Jubilee, child of God, if you've been saved, made whole, delivered, healed, it is time to be restored. And you must restore your mind. It's called repentance, metanoia. Change your mind. Change your mind. Change your mind from the way the world thinks that if you do me dirty, I'm going to do you dirtier, to the way God thinks, I'm going to forgive you freely even before you offend me. And change your mind from the way the world thinks is all that I have is all that there is, therefore I can't lose any of it, to the way God thinks is all that I have is all that you have, and the more you give, the more you get. Total opposite. See, this, this, this mentality of scarcity says I, I can't afford. <laughs> I can't afford to give. And the mentality with God is you can't afford to keep it. You can't afford to keep it. Be generous. Give it away. We have early in the scriptures and all the way through the scriptures this teaching on first fruits. Well, it's interesting that 50th, the word, the number 50, by the way, is used over 150 times in the Bible. Is a significant number. And the 50th year would be the year of Jubilee, but you know what happens 50 days after the day of Passover? We call it the day of Pentecost. You know what it's called? It's the festival of first fruits. They would give their first fruits to the Lord. And you know what happened on that day? After Jesus was crucified and resurrected and ascended, they would give their first fruits to the Lord. The Jews came to celebrate by giving to the Lord. And guess what God gave to them? The Holy Spirit. He poured out his first fruits on them. Child of God, you've received the first fruits from the Lord. And it should change everything in your life. It should change everything in your life. And so, what habits got you living in bondage? What habits put you in a pig pen? What habits had you running from the Father? Let's change those habits. Because now you've been saved, made whole, delivered, healed. What is it to restore your relationships? Go completely opposite of what the world says. You know, I don't always go political, but I'm going to go political for one second. I don't watch the news because here's what happens. When I watch the news, I have to think, what's the opposite of what they're saying? That's probably true. So, <laughs> when it comes to the world, I might have to ask myself, what's the opposite of what they're saying? That's probably true. The opposite says, do dirty to those who do dirty to you. But God says, do good to those who do dirty to you. And then you become blessable. You become blessable. All of his blessings. He said, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. Then how do I obtain it? Begin, bless, begin to be blessable. 
be freely forgiving and generously giving. And when you do, man, the Father smiles on you. Amen. Amen. What habits did you do? What habits did you have that led you into bondage, that broke relationships, that led you into darkness, that caused you to lose your peace, love, and joy? What habits were there? And how about we start new habits? New habits such as spending daily time in the presence of the Father. New habits like giving generously, your first fruits. There's a principle, and we'll teach on another day, principle of tithing the first fruits. Taking 10% off the top and giving that unto the Lord by faith, knowing that He can do more with the 90% than I can with 100. That giving is gaining, not losing. Breaking the, the scarcity mentality, saying, This is all there is, and if I give it, I don't get any more. God says, You give it and you watch what I do. Breaking those old habits of, of greediness and stinginess and, and, and nastiness towards people. Break those old habits and redeem those relationships and redeem those habits and bring into right habits that God wants to bless you with. Amen? So He wants to restore not just you, but your stuff and your people. It's the year of Jubilee. Amen? I, I know that sometimes we get reactionary and, 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 and we swing because some kind of abuse this understanding of prosperity and some just take it way too far. And so we, we want to swing the opposite way and say, oh, well, you know, that, God's not interested in that at all. Well, the Bible says that He is. The Bible says He wants to prosper you. I'll just use one, Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. For his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, and he brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaves also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does will prosper. prosper. Now, this is all through the Scriptures. So let's not take something that God intends for us to have and understand and, com and completely remove it from our understanding because someone abused it. But He wants you to be so generous and so outpouring that He can pour more in. So, let us break old habits of stinginess and nastiness because it's the year of Jubilee. He's come to redeem. Amen. He didn't come just to redeem your spirit. He didn't just come to redeem your heart. He came to redeem your mind. He, became, he came to redeem your resources and your relationships. Every facet of you He came to save. Amen. Let's stand together. Father, I pray that you would help us as we do a little spiritual inventory right now. A little soul searching. Are there any areas in our life that are still prodigal? And are there any areas in our life that are still proud? The older brother, some of us can relate to that real well. The younger brother, some of us can relate to that real well. But you came to redeem everything, to buy back everything. Pray that you would help us to understand that. That the blood of Jesus didn't just buy us a trip to heaven. 
it bought back everything. The kingdom of heaven has now come to earth. And we as the kids, the king's kids, are meant to spread the kingdom. To shine the light. To push back darkness. To heal the hurts. We ought to be testimonies of the goodness of our God. Our lives should be moved from a mess to a message. (laughs) That God has come to restore everything that the enemy has stolen. Thank you, God, that you are God and you are good. And that you want to pour out your blessings on your children. Lord, I pray that we would change our minds from the ways of the world to the ways of the word and that we would be blessable. Blessable. Thank you, God, for you intend on us having the blessing that we might be a blessing. You intend on us to restore the relationship and you will work in it in the restoration. Thank you, God. It's Jubilee time. It's celebration time. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.